0: Greetings, Carl. I hope you are experiencing some joy because I know you've had a quite a run at the Enterprise Center these days with the Blues turmoil. I've got
1: Blues games. I've got TSO. I've got coming up Missouri, Illinois basketball and more hockey. It is going to be an interesting next couple of days.
0: Yes, indeed. In just a
1: second, we will talk to our guest, Aaron Kaeperick, who is starring as Uncle Frank in the Fox's production of Mrs. Doubtfire. Around Minute 26, Peter Carlos will join us, and we'll talk about Leave the World Behind on Netflix. Around minute 42, The Iron Claw. Around minute 49, Ferrari. Around minute 53, The Color Purple. Around minute 57, The St. Louis Film Critics gave out their awards. Around one hour and four minutes, Zone of Interest. And then we wrap it up around one hour and seven minutes with The Boys in the Boat.
0: I have one of those big birthdays coming up, too. But today we are not to talk about ourselves. We are here to talk about Mrs. Doubtfire and a actor who hails from carlinville illinois aaron welcome and please tell me how to say your last
2: name it's uh you know it's super easy right just looking right at it, it just falls right off the tongue uh kaburik is how you say it okay and i should have asked no, please, please. <laughs> no no
0: because you're we... saving it
2: yes it's good
0: well welcome i i guess you get to be cr- at home for christmas huh
2: hey i feel incredibly lucky. I mean, we literally fly into St. Louis Christmas Eve night. I'll uh, hop in the car and make my way to Carlinville and get to spend Christmas with my family. I feel so lucky. That's wonderful. And uh, Carlinville is home to Prairie Farms Dairy and Blackburn College. Yes, exactly. And the Million Dollar Courthouse. So much. I
1: had Prairie Farms ice cream black walnut the other day with select clubbed praline flavored whiskey on top of it. Fantastic combination.
2: Wow. Yes, please. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. They're famous for their black walnut because not that's
2: very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Both my uh, well, my uncle used to work at Prairie Farms and my sister-in-law still works at Prairie Farms. So you are playing Uncle Frank made
0: famous in the Robin Williams movie by Harvey Byerstein, National Treasure. So that sh- has to be daunting playing Uncle Frank.
2: So tell us about uh, this show. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you would you would think it's daunting because he's so incredible, but the the movie and the musical are just beautifully, two separate entities, while the musical still plays as a wonderful homage to the movie. Uh, so the the writers, Wayne and Kerry Kirkpatrick and John O'Farrell, have taken the movie and they've updated it. And they've even beefed up the role of Frank from what we know in the movie. So uh, you get to learn about his husband, which in the movie uh, is just uh, that his partner is just a little bit of a, a, a blip on the, in the movie. And now, Oh, they're fully fledged characters in the show. It was the early 90s. They couldn't go too deep. Exactly. Exactly. But I also applaud them for um, still having that representation in the early 90s at a time when uh, oftentimes, you know, gay characters were this this sidekick gag joke. They didn't make it a joke, uh, which I thought was really great. And uh, so they've really beefed up those roles for this production. And um, we have some very funny bits, the two of us, uh, Frank and Andre. Nick Alexander brilliantly plays my husband in the show. And we have a lot of fun. And we make the audiences laugh a lot. And uh, we love that. So uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, the the musical comedy that's a smash
0: hit in the London West End and has been on Broadway, uh, is going to be at the Fox Theater december 26th through january 7th and talk about a musical that we need right now because who doesn't need some laughter and joy and especially with rob mcclure who has been at the muni several times is a huge fan favorite there and he toured in something rotten along with his wife maggie lakers and she is back they are both in this and uh didn't he get did he wasn't he nominated for a Tony for he was. I mean, Yeah. Well he originated the role on Broadway. Right, right. So uh he's uh I I how how is working with the McClure's?
2: Oh my they're well, they're both dear friends of mine. So Rob and I actually did something rotten together on Broadway. I did not tour with it, I only did it in New York, but but he came into the New York production before he went on to the tour. Uh, so we became fast friends during that. And then we did I did Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway as well. So we um worked together, we've worked together quite a bit. And then interestingly enough, during the pandemic, uh, you know, when we were unlocked down, Rob and Maggie and my husband Patrick uh, Wetzel with the four of us would we started watching a television show called Escape to the Chateau together, and we would all via text push play at the same time and then text about the show uh so we oh. have been dear friends for a long time, and to get to be on stage with both of them and especially to play Rob's brother is just. A dream. I mean, we couldn't be having more fun. Sadly, I don't do much with Maggie on stage, but we get to enjoy each other off stage uh, quite a bit. And they're traveling with their four year old. Oh, no, excuse me. Now, five year old. She just turned five last week. Oh, wow. Uh, It's nice to have a, a family on the road as well. Wow. Well, the Muni first uh, he first
0: arrived as uh, Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors before Mike Isaacson took over, and it wasn't a very I can say this because it wasn't (laughs) a very good production of it, but he stood out. And then they had him come back for uh, he was Lord Flooker in Shrek, and he was Bert in Mary Poppins, and the audience fell in love with him. And one of the things because you played the Muni before every he goes to every single seat and would touch it that was his thing and so he would go through all 10,000 how long does that take
2: well I think he backed himself into a corner because he started doing it in smaller theaters and then he started playing the muni and all (laughs) of a sudden he was like oh no I have to get to the theater two hours in advance but he runs he runs the seats yeah
1: well, yeah. I saw I saw him in all those shows, and then he the next summer he was in Adams Family, and then he did Hello Dolly. He's been, and he did Into the Woods. He's done so many shows at the Muni. He was Lumiere and Beauty and the Beast. He's he spends his summers here mostly.
0: I know. Yeah, we haven't seen him in a couple of years,
2: so but yeah, because he's, he's so busy wonderful. on Broadway. Yeah, he's so exactly. Busy. He's been doing some TV as well. He had a nice little arc in uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel recently, and. I think he was on the TV show Evil, uh, so he's been you know busy with that as well. Oh, and and the uh, the new HBO show, excuse me, Max show about uh, Julia Child. He's had an arc in that as well.
0: Yeah,
1: he was Fred Rogers.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah,
0: I am um, so behind on television because I cover theater and movies, so I now have to watch that. But you have had some interesting TV experiences too. Uh, looking over your resume, I need to know about Fossey verdon because that
2: is so good. I love that show, yes. Uh, Listen, I, as, that was a show when, you know, all of Broadway knew that that was happening. We knew that this, um, you know, book-to-TV adaptation was happening, and everybody knew that there were going to be all these musical theater sequences, and everybody wanted to be in them. (laughs) And uh, so I got the phone call to audition for the Heart Quartet from Damn Yankees, which I, um, Coincidentally, I had just done at the Muni in the, <laughs> uh, not just, but like maybe five years prior. Um, I oh. had been in, in Damn Yankees at the Muni. With and- Eric Coonsie. Eric Coonsie? Eric can- yeah. and Roy Reams. Yeah. Um, okay. And so I knew it well when my agent called. I said, yes, please. I, I want to go in for that. And so I went in and I had been growing my beard out for something. I forget what I'm, I'm terrible at growing my beard out. So it looked awful, but I was in the process <laughs> of growing it out. And about a week later, my agent called and she was like, um, so Fosse Verdon wants you, but they want to make sure you can shave your beard. And I was like, I'm shaving it as we speak. Yay.
1: <laughs> it's halfway finished.
2: Yeah. And, uh, it was great. We filmed our, uh, episode at a, a theater on Long Island uh, excuse me, on Staten Island, uh, the St. George Theater. And it was over two days. And we filmed, we we first went into the recording studio and recorded all of the heart quartet. Um, Alex Lackamore, who's the music supervisor of Hamilton, supervised the recording of it. And uh, it, was, it was a thrill to get to like put down a solid recording of it and then to get to perform it on a stage and know it was being filmed. I mean, it, it was, I, I felt incredibly lucky to be a part of that.
0: Oh, I can imagine, because that that uh, was off the charts. So you got directed by Tommy Kale?
2: Yes. Oh, my gosh. And the, which was also, you know, I knew of him from Hamilton, but I'd never worked with him. So to get to even just for two days, be around him was, uh, was a delight. It was great. And what was also fun was that it was um, one of the things we had to film was sort of a faux curtain call for Damn Yankees. And so you had to have the whole cast of Damn Yankees be there, which included the, um, steam heat number and oh. a friend in the steam heat number. I had friends and other, you know, faux Damn Yankees numbers. So the day we filmed the curtain call, it was like kind of this fun Broadway reunion you know it was kind of exciting because you're seeing all your friends hanging out in this theater or hanging out at craft services getting breakfast it was (laughs) so it was really and they kept it very joyful as well because everybody knew that it was this Broadway community getting to uh, you know recreate these iconic numbers oh yeah that's just one for the ages and
0: and a St. Louis and Norbert Leo Butts was in it too
2: yes 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 yes
0: so that's a, that's another local connection and you were in Mrs. Maisel. So that's pretty special.
2: Yeah, that was, um I, again, I felt so lucky. It was during the pandemic when theater was shut down and my agents just started pushing me, for, pushing me for TV. I hadn't done much. I think I'd only done Fossey burden and um, partially because I was lucky and was working consistently and to get time off for TV is harder when you're doing a show eight times a week. And um, yeah, the Maisel, they they saw me for something and it didn't work out. But the casting director said, hey, we love Aaron. We love his look for the show. We're going to keep him in the files. And it was like three months later, they said, can you put this on tape by the end of the day? And they called at the end of the day and said... Yes, he films on Friday. And it was my birthday, which was exciting. Oh, Oh, well, what a lovely birthday
0: birthday present. (laughs) Well, I'm looking over your Broadway credentials, and they are extensive. You have done, besides the aforementioned Something Rotten, which had to be
2: so much fun. Oh, my God. What a show. If it was running, I would still be doing it. It was a blast.
0: Oh, so funny. And Hello, Dolly and Motown, Sister Act. And Billy Elliot. So that's pretty heavy hitting. So what was
2: your first Broadway show? It was Billy Elliot. I was actually (gasps) working at the Muni at the time. And uh, I had three shows lined up at the Muni. And um, I got the call that I was going to be a part of the original Broadway cast of Billy Elliot while I was doing producers at the Muni. And I still had two more shows and Paul Blake, who was the producer at that time, uh, he took my contract and ripped it up and said, go, go get your Broadway show. And uh, um, so I finished producers and I think I had maybe a few days off before I started rehearsals uh, for Billy Elliot. And I did that for about four years. I did it a couple of years in New York and I did a couple of years on the road as well. It was um, a wonderful experience. Wow.
0: Elton John. I love that movie so much. I will just pop it in, and and, and this is an aside, because Carl Carl makes fun of me, but I always I'm very maternal towards Jamie Bell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unhealthily so. <laughs> little little Billy Elliot. I feel the same way about Jonathan Groff every time, and every time he's in, I say to Carl, you know, I'm very maternal about Jonathan Groff and Jamie <laughs> <laughs> Well,
2: they're both in a lot these days, so you must they, have- Hard. reindeers are better than people so
0: yeah well uh, just as another aside jamie bell is in all of Us strangers and he plays the dad and i don't know if you've had time to see that movie but it'll be out uh soon, i i think but be prepared because nobody prepared me because <laughs> nobody prepared me for it and i just cried half the movie so just warning you if you if you okay, uh, it, are emotional all, all these or, asides
1: lynn let's yes, get back i know, to things. i, I want to tell you. i want to tell aaron that i did he was a part of something that was a first for me in my life i grew up I, in 1983 i was 12 years old and all my friends went to go see footloose but i did something and i couldn't go so the first time i saw footloose was on stage with Aaron at the Muni. So i would never seen the movie. Of course, I I, even, I owned the soundtrack as a teenager, but I never seen it ever until I saw it at the Muni.
2: Oh my, you've never, have you seen the movie since then? No, no. My That's only
1: experience is with movie. you. So thank you. I, well, I, I, I know the movie through osmosis. I know John Lithgow. I know that it's Kevin Bacon. I know everybody in the movie and I know every single song, but I- saw it on stage and I thought, I think, well, you know what? That I'd was rather your, have that. Your, I'd rather have it that way.
2: I, well, I love that. And that I will also say that was another special experience because Christian Borle, who I did something rotten with on Broadway, he was directing that production And he called, I don't know, January, February of that year. And he said, hey, I'm going to be directing Footloose at the Muni, And I want some people that I love to play the adults so that we have a good group of people for these young kids that are coming in. And uh, he said, I want you to play the uncle. You know, it's not a big role, but come and have fun. And Natasha Yvette Williams, who was nominated for a Tony this past year for some like it hot played my wife and we just had the best time and um it was christian was incredible jessica hartman was a choreographer it was a, a blast mike isaacson put together a great group and and i thought it was a, a pretty terrific production of uh, of the show so we i'm glad you enjoyed it Thanks was that fun. the couple year years? Was that in uh, 19, 2019? Yeah,
0: 2019. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah, was I, a good one. Oh, my I God. I never saw Flashdance either. So <laughs> the, the girl that played uh, Rusty and the guy that played uh, the, you know, the best friend.
2: Yeah, yeah. The country guy. Yeah, he was terrific.
0: Oh, my God. They were so good. Yeah. So, so was,
2: good. I mean, and all those all those young kids were like, in college or fresh out of college christian uh did incredible work and michael baxter at the muni did great work at finding this young talent and they i mean they've all gone on to like star in so many broadway shows they it's they literally all just took off from that experience it was oh well uh, that's a, great because their casting,
0: their casting is so good so what was your first muni show to see or to
2: be in both of
1: them yeah, because he's oh. from the area
2: well, my first one to see was um, Debbie Boone in The Sound of Music. You um, like my life. <laughs> exactly. I want to say it was probably 86, 87. And um, uh, it was actually also what made me want to get into theater. I watched it and I, I immediately was like, what is this experience? I need to be a part of this. And um, so then years later, I made my first I made my debut at the Muni as kind of the, the, there's the Muni teens, but then they sometimes add on extra teens. And I did that <laughs> for Godspell, I think in 1995, um, a great production with incredible people, Renee Elise Goldsberry, um, uh, Adina wow. Alexander, some terrific people in that production.
0: Wow. I was there. I saw it. I took my children to that. That was their first, that was their first Muni show. Gadsville, 95 so isn't that funny how it's just it just you know the muni is that connection by the way i know you're busy being on the road but the muni has a wonderful documentary series right now running on youtube that each one is about five
2: minutes long
1: it's terrific
2: wonderful oh you watched it already yeah i've seen a couple of them rob rob and i actually keep talking about them backstage it's so well done it's remarkable Oh yeah. It, Cody's done it's out. their
1: brand. It's their brand new video guy. And he, we, Lynn and I spoke with him and he's like, uh, I came in just to do this project and they liked it so much that he's still going to be there this summer too.
2: That's great. Yeah. Everyone yeah. should. Watch it.
0: Yeah. Well, you've had, so how does a boy from Carlinville, Illinois, get to bra- get to Boston university?
2: Well, I, um, I love, love, love Carlinville, and I loved growing up there, but I knew, I knew so there was something inside me that just knew I wanted to be in a city, so when I was applying for colleges, I looked at a lot of uh, city universities, and um, BU had a study abroad program that really appealed to me because I knew I wanted to study abroad. I didn't really know where, but I ultimately studied in London, and they also had... Um, an um economics and math degree combined, which is what I wanted to do at the time. And what I thought I was going to do was apply that to arts administration. And um uh, and that actually is what I did. I got my degree in economics and I started working at the Muni as the associate producer right out of college. And I um I was an intern at the Muni during college in the production office. And then I started working at the Muni after. Um, and uh that I did that for a few years, and ultimately I just kept watching people perform on that stage, and I thought, well, that's really what I want to do. I had still been taking voice lessons and tap dancing. Uh, I was going to tap class, and uh, I was taking a lot of acting and improv as well in New York, because I would work in New York uh, for 10 months of the year and then go to the Muni for the summer months. And um, so that, I just... I kept plugging ahead with both aspects of theater and my acting career started to take off. I made my union debut, my professional debut in the national tour of the full Monty in uh, 2003. And fortunately my career has kept going. 20 years later, you're still doing it and it's making crazy. money. It's crazy. I still can't believe it. I feel stupidly lucky, but. Um, well, well,
1: well, let's, let's talk about boxing day, boxing day at the Fox. Mrs. Doubtfire is going to open. Lynn and I will be there the day after Christmas. Okay, Lynn's not going to be there. I'll be there with my child. And it's going to be, and it's interesting to start the day after Christmas because a lot of people like, "Uh, everything just happened. Let's go out because they're tired of being at home because they've been with the family. And this is something that they can do on a day that normally they might not do anything.
2: Yeah. I mean, and and also it's, we are pure laughter and pure heart, the show. So it, it just rolls right along with that good Christmas spirit. So I, I, I think that people People Will, yeah, leave their cooped up homes and um come on out and enjoy a show. Maybe, maybe they'll be frustrated with putting Christmas decorations away and they'll say, Hey, let's go see <laughs> a show. But, um, yeah, I think and I think our sales are really good so far. Uh, I only know because I've been getting tickets for my family, so I keep refreshing <laughs> my <tickets> a lot. <laughs> um, well, that's, um, that's so, yeah, you know, get that's your cool. tickets. it's gonna be fun, yes. Well, did, um, I, I
0: Fortunately, we're going to be at my sister's in Las Vegas, so that's oh, all whole right, other story. Because
1: Lynn's turning thirty next week.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm halfway. Yeah, yours. Well, it's way older. I know. Um, it's way, 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 way older, but. Uh, I wanted to mention the team behind Mrs. Doubtfire is Wayne and Carrie Kirkpatrick, which you mentioned, Aaron, but they did the musical something rotten and they're not, you know, familiar like Pasek and Paul, but anybody who wrote those lyrics for something rotten has to have the doubt. If they did Mrs. Doubtfire, this has got to be hilarious.
2: Yeah, it's when I tell people when they ask about Doubtfire, I say, oh, do you know something rotten? If they say yes, I'm like, well, then if you enjoyed something rotten, you're going to have a great great time because they their lyrics are funny. But they also, you know, Wayne writes incredible tunes. I mean, the man won a a Grammy Award for the song um, You Can Change the World. I mean, his he writes these beautiful songs. Uh, So, yeah. And John O'Farrell, too, is the third writer as well, um, who's a, a, a British guy. Um, who we don't see as much but he comes over every now and then and he's just as witty and funny and lovable as as those two brothers as well they're a, an incredible team who I feel very fortunate to uh, be in the room with as well as Jerry Zax, our director who's a living legend yes you you've got quite the team behind you
0: well it has been so delightful to talk to you and Carl you're gonna have to tell me because as soon as I saw those dates I went oh <laughs> oh so December twenty
1: sixth through January seventh. So get your tickets. Go to fabulousfox.com and you can find out dates and times because you guys are probably doing eight shows a week.
2: Eight shows a week and the yeah, definitely check out the times because it's because of the holidays, we have some like interesting matinees that we wouldn't normally, <laughs> you know, have.
1: <laughs> a New Year's Eve show at ten in the morning.
2: <laughs> sort so- sort of, yeah, something like that. <laughs>
0: So what are you looking most forward to when you uh, arrive back
2: in St. Louis? What are you looking forward to doing besides seeing Um, your family? Honestly, I'm really excited to see a lot of the locals who are going to be working at the Fox because a lot of them I know from the Muni, the backstage crew. So I'm just excited to see those familiar faces who I grew up with at the Muni, quite literally. So um, honestly, that's what I'm most excited about, other than seeing my family, of course. Before, Before Megan yells at me, the the New Year's Eve show is at one o'clock in the
1: afternoon on that Sunday. Because Megan will say, "Why did you say ten o'clock in the morning? It's one o'clock in the afternoon." So, that, <laughs> With, and then you guys like, are off the next day,
2: which feels like ten a.m. to an actor. So you're not. <laughs>
0: <wrong>. <laughs> well, it's so delightful, Aaron, and I know that uh, if our paths ever meet at the Muni, it'll be like seeing an old friend. So thank you so much, and break a leg.
1: Thank Thank you for spending time with us too.
2: Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well,
0: thank
1: you so much.
0: And have a blast when you're here. Happy holidays.
2: You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, Carl. Let's welcome
0: our next guest, Lynn. Yes. We're talking to one of our great friends, Peter Carlos, who is uh, the film guru at uh, Lindenwood College, but also a filmmaker in his own right. And you've had some awards lately but also a big film enthusiast. So yeah. welcome, Peter.
3: Welcome. Can you, can you hear me? We yes. can hear you, sir. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, well, we're on uh, hiatus here until the next semester, but I'm here at Linda Wood because I had some technology problems at home. Uh, so I had to run down here and jump on my computer here. So it's very quiet you here. You sound I-
1: fantastic.
3: Okay, great, great. Home for the Holidays.
0: Well, the movie season traditionally is a big one for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And there are four big movies that we'll get to. But the movie that everyone is talking about is on Netflix, Leave the World Behind. And it is a psychological thriller, Apocalypse Time. Mm -hmm. And it stars... Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali, and Mahala. And it's a dandy. It's based on the book Leave the World Behind, and people it's a lightning rod. People either love it. You either love it or you hate it. Hate it.
3: So Peter, oh, yeah. where are you? It's growing on me. Uh, I read the book. Have it right here during the apocalypse of the pandemic. And uh I liked it, it stayed with me. It was a great summer read. Um the movie I don't I don't know. I mean, you can't squeeze everything from a 240-page novel into a 2-hour movie. Uh and I know that there's only been a couple of successes, Silence of the Lambs or uh To Kill a Mockingbird. So and even To Kill a Mockingbird they left a whole bunch of things out. Yeah, but it was it was pretty close and uh well made but oftentimes it's hard to see the two go together but directors and producers know get the rights to a book you have a built-in audience you've got and and Hitchcock knew this way back when when he did Rebecca and his other films um but this is a it was a great book I felt good at the end even though the world was crumbling down and falling apart uh and i i'm liking the movie i'm not sure about some of the casting um you know the the guy who was showrunner on mr uh robot mr. And, robot yes yes and he directed a couple movies comment and homecoming um he directed this movie changed it a little bit um but at the hearts there but the casting i julia roberts i don't know i mean there's a dancing scene that she has, and I don't. I had a tough time getting through it. Um, that I is like a the, weird scene, though. It is a very weird scene, but it's just. <laughs> I mean, what did you guys think of, of the house? I mean, the house I didn't imagine. It seemed so large, and for an Airbnb, <laughs> and had to go for a thousand, two thousand a day. You know, I mean it was amazing. But of course the filmmakers needed a large space to shoot, and of course that had something to do with it. So
0: it was gorgeous. Well, I think also the economic status of G.H. Scott, uh, because they don't believe him when he shows up. And and uh or well, Julia Roberts doesn't believe him, her character. But I uh Sam Ishmael is the director and If He worked with Julia Roberts on Homecoming. So there's probably where that connection is. I liked, I always liked Ethan Hawke because he's just so, he's got such a good range and, and you believe him. And I thought the kids were believable. I thought every, I was not aware of this book, but I've had friends who read it. I mean, I didn't read the book, but the main, when I was talking about this on KTRS on Friday, the text line lit up people were like, I want two hours of my life back. Hated it, hated it. People loved it. People were like, I'd love to talk to you about the Julia Roberts character. And so we had the we had the pros and the cons. And Wendy Weiss had said, I've never seen a reaction to this, to, uh, like and I have online to this movie because it is one of those lightning rods where you're either gonna like it or not. A lot of people have issues with the ending. And I think it's that whole feeling. I was so anxious and tense watching this. Afterwards, I I, watched, I made the mistake of watching it before I would normally go to bed, mm, and which right. was a, <laughs> which was a total mistake. And then I had to stay up and I watched the Ted Lasso, a Lasso um, episode "Mom City" just to cleanse. around. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because it was so nice, but I think the uncertainty of everything, because the whole movie, you don't know what's going on. You, uh, you're you're as in the dark as they are, and you. That
3: was intentional, I'm sure.
0: Yes, and then the ending, I get it, because if you think about what Mahershala Ali says to the women, but the daughter, people, people really hate that ending, but the director, uh, he explained, he talked there's an article in Variety where he explains that he talked to the author of the book and the author of the book was fine with it because to do it differently, it's not that kind of a movie. It's not that kind of a book. You know, they're not going to wrap it up with a bow.
3: No, it's, it's got a very European ending to where the, you know, American audiences like everything tied up in a bow. They want to know what happened to the characters. And I think that's the problem that, the uncertainty at the end. But, uh, you know, Friends is mentioned in the book. Rose is seen as a survivor. uh, And, of course, the song plays over the credits, which is perfect. I don't like his other – he made some very strange music choices throughout the movie.
1: Well, he, Uh, he tried to explain that, too, saying he didn't want, as we would say, he didn't want the needle drops of songs that are associated with other things. And so he tried to pick songs that weren't uh, that, that were identifiable, but not like attached to any one emotion or other media like film or television, even though the friend song, in, which is kind of meta because Julia Roberts actually was on. Friends. Was saying,
3: yes. She was in there. Yeah. And um, you know, someone like Scorsese or Hitchcock were very good with, the music almost becomes another character, but I felt the first songs, probably the first half just didn't, I don't know. didn't jive with me or whatever, where the ending was perfect for me. I liked it. uh, And I liked the character Rose. I thought Rose was great. I'm still, you know, Kevin Bacon. uh, I don't see him as a prepper. Uh, You know, it's, it's, Hard to see him as that, but he was okay. Uh so we were just talking
1: about footloose.
3: Yeah. Uh you know, great and foot footloose. I don't know about him in this. So I mean for him and 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 Roberts, I don't know. I thought that maybe they were miscast or, or whatever. I'm I'm accepting them because you know, Amanda says, I don't <laughs> I don't like people and um we see at the end her arc changes in some way um and she gets she's much like ruth in this in this film ruth is very suspicious sarcastic a little angry a little worried about her family and so it makes sense for amanda and ruth to kind of Get along. That's the whole point. Is that two different families, two different cultures coming together? How are we going to work this out so that we can survive the apocalypse? If we don't, we won't. And so I thought that the, the director did a great job uh, with with
0: that. that part. Yeah. Yeah, I thought. Uh, well, Netflix didn't promote this like their their show pony right now is Maestro. And uh, that is where the tension is. And uh, they did not make this available in uh, us reviewers. We get Netflix movies in our preview content to see so we can review it. And some movies they make accessible and some they don't give to us mid-market people, you know. And so we didn't get it. And so I thought, yeah, I thought, oh. This isn't a good sign if they're not, you know, promoting it because we got Leo and, you know, May, December and all that. So anyway, um, when I started watching it, I was like, oh, my God, this is really good because I was caught up in. This is like what would happen. Our phones would start going out. Things would happen. And you know how frustrated you are when your phone doesn't go out when my phone broke. Like two months ago, I was, I was frantic for not having a phone for 24 hours. It was like life changing yeah. because your whole life is in your phone. Now, even your alarm, you know, for for sleeping and for maps and everything. And so that disorientation, how they can't get on their computers, they can't use, they can't even watch anything on TV. And, and you were just, you don't that in the dark atmosphere. I can see that happening in the U.S. And after the pandemic, I think we have a lot of uh, things going on in our heads, and especially in this divisive culture. And I thought that the two families played into that, how suspicious they are of each other. and Because uh, they have
3: to communicate eye to eye, face to face. <laughs> and even George says, oh, you, you probably don't know me or who I am. But I'm George, I'm GH Scott, and here we are face to face, and all the technology is going down, failing. And they even say, How do you know we've got to work this out face to face? Uh, Just like my technology wasn't working at home, what did I do? And I'm going, I'm scrambling. So, okay, I got another setup that I can get to, and I've lost my phone too, and people couldn't get a hold of me. I, you know. when I teach I don't allow phones in there but I know that that students now are using this phone as a watch where I have a watch I'm old school I've got both and so it's how much we rely on these things to communicate today and what if they went out and so or they're
1: recording the lecture on the phone
3: or and they're if, taking notes on their phone yeah, I know I, well, I don't, I don't let them do that, but I mean, they do do it anyway. Yes. Oh, I know. I, when I taught at
0: SIU, it was in our syllabus, no cell phones, but I'd hear the clicking. you'd hear the clicking, and, and, you, you know, they're trying to act like they're not, but you know, you, you just totally. And then all of a sudden they go, what, 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 you know, like when you say something that catches their fancy and, uh, oh, so don't even get me started. But that feeling of when he says, yeah, you know, in the old days we would have, We would have talked on the phone. You would have been Uh familiar with my voice. Voice, right. You know, and and it's just different. But it's also, uh, we are in a heap of trouble (laughs) if things go south (laughs) because we are so not prepared for this. You know, after War of the Worlds, I said to my children, I said, I don't think I could be sleeping on the ground not having a toothbrush for you know a dare you know when they go yeah mom you would just slow us down yeah
3: <laughs> and and they had to look to nature to kind of communicate you know the deer is a, a great motif they keep reappearing uh and you you think you see a deer driving you go oh how nice how cute uh but these deer somehow seem threatening and ruth is the first one to see well amanda and her husband they see it clay but it starts building and building till at the end, and they seem quite threatening to Amanda and Ruth, uh, so they have to look to nature and say, "What's going on with all these birds flying over Flamingos from Florida end up in their pool, and you just go, "What the what's going on here so it's 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 about chaos, I guess when we lose all our technology, uh there's nothing but chaos, and how do we sift through all that? to live our reality and how do we communicate with others? Because the world they're looking out toward New York and it's being bombed and, uh, you know, just strange things are happening. You're with a strange family and, and the world is going away. It'll never be the same. You know, not only are they leaving New York, but they're leaving the world as they know it behind. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was fascinated. I think this is going to be a big topic at Christmas because oh, yeah. I think the the Christmas movies aren't going to be the, the thing that everybody's talking about, except maybe Iron Claw. So this is a good thing. So uh, well, do
1: you want to pivot to that, Lynn?
0: Yeah, let's let's pivot to Iron Claw. I was very surprised at this movie. I knew wrestling because my brothers watched Wrestling at the Chase and you just know those names but you knew who the von
1: ericks were didn't you yeah
0: yeah tragedy but i I did not know their family story which is what is remarkable about this sean durkin has written and directed this and i know he's taken some liberties with the story because one brother isn't even in it but it's all about family the obsessive dad Go ahead, Carl. The reason
1: the reason that the the other brother's in it is because the whole story is tragic. What happened to the Von Ericks is is not. If they would have added another brother to it, that just would have added another layer of depressing.
0: Yeah, that's true. But Sean Durkin, I don't know if you uh, saw this movie called The Nest. I really liked it. It was Jude Law and Carrie Kuhn, and uh, it was. But uh, he
1: did Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene.
0: Yeah that that gave well, Elizabeth Olsen her career. Great movie, great indie movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And what what's the guy the the character actor that everybody likes. He's in a jo- what's his name? John Hawkes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. From Winter's Bone. Uh yeah. so
3: he hasn't been around for a while. I haven't seen him haven't seen him in much lately. Yeah, yeah.
0: every time I Uh, think where is somebody then i find out they're like maybe on a streaming show or something on a show that you've not seen right oh that's where they are but i don't need to look him up but anyway zach efron plays the lead brother in this and he's fantastic he is great anchoring this movie. Uh, john
1: hawks is uh, in the new season of true detective with
2: uh (gasps) jody foster oh
3: that's coming out
2: yes
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Netflix is uh, not Netflix. H- HBO, HBO Mad, is really pushing it and they're having a lot it's... of Yep. So, yes. I lo- that first season of True Detective was remarkable.
3: It's really it, it's very very good or it's not very good. Um True Detective and I think that uh when it's great, it it just pops off the screen. Yeah,
0: yes. Yeah. So the first season with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody oh, Harrelson, yeah. which uh, but, but Carrie Jo Fukunaga did it, and and then second season wasn't you know, no Colin Farrell and Rachel McAdams and um, Taylor Kitsch and Vince Vaughn. That was kind of a train wreck.
1: Well, it's it's just like seasons of Fargo. True Detective is very much like Fargo. Some seasons are great, and some seasons are not
0: right well this current one 5 with john hamm and juno temple's good it's good okay. it's worth it's worth getting back into if you've let fargo go cuz that, that that guy that noah the creator the showrunner it's a noah hawley he's 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 terrific he just captures that he captures that whole coen brothers vibe but then he expands on it and the characters are so rich and Juno Temple's character is a one- a Doing a
1: Minnesota accent. Doesn't sound like she's on uh, Ted Lasso anymore.
0: No, no. And then John Hamm, you know, it's good to see him in a hit. So, back to Iron Claw. Yes, back to Iron Claw. We digressed with Fargo. Iron Claw has a terrific cast. Lily James plays uh, Zach Efron's eventual wife. And uh, the brothers, other brothers, are played by Jeremy Allen White, who's having a moment with the bear. And uh, Harrison, Harris Dickinson plays one of the brothers, and he's also uh, an up-and-comer. And And, uh, Mara Tierney plays the mom. So she's living with a house full of boy wrestlers and the dad's a wrestler who invented the iron claw, hence the title. And it is just a, a remarkable biopic, but it's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of, it's about, you know, ambition and family and tragedy all in one. And we nominated it in our group for uh best stunt work. Yes. Some people are talking about Holt McAneen, uh, Holt, how do you say his say, Mackiny? Mackinac, Mac allow me. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, as, Fritz as, as the uh, dad. Yeah. As a possible supporting actor. I don't think, I think that category is pretty stacked this year. So I don't know, but you know, maybe, but uh, he's getting a lot of buzz because he's a longtime character actor, but it's a fascinating story. And they do mention Sam Mushnick, which w- it was one of the, st louis wrestling, wrestling at the, at the chase. chase dudes and i'm sure those people came to Saint yeah they louis. were wrestling
1: at the chase the von erics were here
0: before uh wwf at the time uh
1: took over
3: yeah because I,
1: fritz fraud fritz here
3: yeah i actually as i used to work as a busboy at the chase and i used to go back there and watch it and then one of my first jobs was wrestling at the arena so i got to meet king kong brody and the von erichs and you know back in the day and uh i remember how exciting it was to meet king kong brody because this guy had an MBA. he was uh huge he had these you know he had these scars on his forehead where he would bleed it so he looked ferocious yep. and stuff but yeah that's it's amazing how many st Louises love this sport and right. filled up the arena so and i think yeah it should do well
1: oh i Producer think it's brody be and things. king kong brody yeah, that's
3: in the movie yep yep
0: yeah i think uh this movie's going to be a huge crowd pleaser it's a big surprise i think to a lot of people that weren't expecting it to be anything but just like you know some wrestling movie it's a surprising how many loyal wrestling fans there are. And you know, my kids grew up with that whole NWA and WWE mm-hmm. and uh uh yeah. So I think, I think that wrestling culture is going to come out big for it. Uh, well, not uh, only
1: that Lynn, but
0: national board of review said it was one of their 10 best. It They wow. did. It's on wow. my, it is on my honorable mention. We're putting that together for Webster Kirkwood times and the, and the, uh, my website poplifestl.com, and it's it is all my honorable mentions because I do think, um, it's worthy. The ensemble work is well, tremendous.
1: Well, and it also, matters. you know, you have Zach Efron with his shirt off, so the people like that.
0: Well, he's he, he, you can tell. I mean, they put the work in to this to make them bulk up like they did. It's really. Uh, really good work Um, there's a couple other films coming out and I don't know Carl if you had time to see Ferrari yet
1: I have not but I've heard
0: mixed things about it yes I'm not enamored with it and I I find Michael Mann a thrilling director I was not thrilled (laughs) I usually am enamored with Adam Driver's work I think did we
1: just have Ford versus Ferrari, or this is the other side of that?
0: Which is way better, way better. This one, I mean, it's it focuses on what a jerk Enzo Ferrari was, so it's not pleasant. I mean, you don't have to like people, but at least they have to be interesting. But he has, in in the movie, they concentrate on, he has this whole other family. He's married to Penelope Cruz. And she's doing, I'm sorry, everybody, oh, supporting actress nominee. She's doing her shtick about being the, the hothead Italian wife. Doesn't that get like old, like, oh, screaming at your husband all the time? And, you know, I mean, how many parts can that be? So Enzo has a secret family on the side. Shailene Woodley is not good as his uh, other woman. Second family? Yeah, who's had a child. So he has a child with Shailene Woodley, and he goes and spends the night, and he has a relationship with the child. And then he and Penelope Cruz go and scream at each other all the time. And then he's almost bankrupt. The car company's almost bankrupt. Now, the film looks good. It's got that whole car racing vibe to it that it should... They they recreate the mila the mil, mil, how do you say that that famous Milaise? no the the road race the oh mie, Le Mans no Mie Milagro the one where they had the nine people killed the spectators plus the driver oh okay 1957 I 1957 I had to look it up it really happens they recreate it and it's horrific.
1: Yeah, uh, the National Board of Review also said that this is
0: one of their 10 favorite films. Well, I know. I think a lot of people <laughs> are enamored with uh, Michael Mann, and so they were just giving it a pass. I just didn't find it compelling. I was not happy, and I thought Ford versus Ferrari was fantastic. It was a great hey, film. but it,
1: it also has uh, the world's sexiest man in it. You didn't mention Patrick Dempsey at all.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, he's good.
1: He's good. He plays Italian yeah but he is a racer in real life that's one of yes his he cases. is that's why that's why he left gray's anatomy
3: well one of the reasons
1: <laughs> oh yeah they, and you know they killed him well now did they agree to kill him before or after he decided to leave
3: i think he was having some problems some hr problems on there and they decided to kill him off uh it was tough to get along with and so they killed him off. Uh, because of that, which was great, should have should have happened. It worked
1: for Meredith Grey.
3: Yes. And then they brought him back in
0: Dreams last year, year before, or something like that. But anyway, and then then we have the musical, Color Purple, which is a fine adaptation of the movie musical. It's <laughs> it's a horror. Okay.
1: yeah. It's if you don't like the movie musical, will you like the movie?
0: No oh okay no because after the screening the people that don't like musicals were like mm, this mm. but if you like musicals and you like the color purple musical you will like this because i think i love the movie the co- i love the movie the cover color purple i That's, love that movie
3: it was a great as, movie. as
1: you should but the musical just didn't do it for me yeah and i know opera's of- involved
0: I know it's weird because it is tough tough subject matter. Yeah, starting in 1909 in Georgia, poor farm girl, she uh is given to a guy who physically and emotionally abuses her. It's horrific uh he keeps um you know her sister's writing her letters he keeps them all away from her so she doesn't have any idea what happened to her kids uh she has a life of misery and then here comes suge avery and gives her some attention and so the cast is fabulous i will say that uh, to, uh taraji p henson is looks like a million damn dollars and as uh suge avery she has got this gorgeous red dress. the costumes are are beautiful uh fantasia barino who won season three of american idol is a fine i voted se- for her is yeah it's a fine Sealy. uh she plays her uh you know all the virtues but also the heartbreak i think she has the emotional depth to do that the standout to me in this cast is danielle brooks as sophia she, peacemaker she is wonderful in this movie carrie hawkins plays harpo uh coleman domingo plays mister and he has to be totally unlikable and oh, yeah. he he succeeds in that uh there's little bits uh, uh, david allen greer is the preacher dad john batiste is grady who uh Suge marries and um who else is it oh her her, uh, Gabriella Wilson's. The singer and
1: multi-instrumentalist, her. Yes,
0: she yeah. plays Squeak. And um, Sierra, is that how you name, say her name, who's married to Russell Wilson? Yes, Sierra, okay. the pop yeah. singer. Yeah, she plays grown-up Nettie. Hallie Bailey from Little Women is young Nettie. So it's a terrific cast. What I like about the musical, which was at the Muni uh, two summers ago, was the community, the joy, the spirit, the indomitable spirit of uh, people getting through adversity. And I I think the musical numbers celebrate that here. But if you are not a musical person, you're going to go, what the hell is this?
3: (laughs) You know, these people have this tragic life and they're singing. Right, right. I mean, I I don't show the only musical I show singing in the rain in my history of world cinema, and then I show a little bit of Usher imitating. But that's it. I I have trouble with musicals. People breaking out in songs. Some people like them. I, I it's have a, a fantasy. Problem. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm more of a Martin Scorsese, Hitchcock kind of guy. David Fincher, and I just yeah. I, the musical, it it was good. It was good for what it was. Saw it, but I don't know. I think that the film will do okay in certain markets, but I don't think it's going to be a successful successful run. I don't think it's going to be an awards magnet. No. I think uh, uh,
0: when I was doing my top ten, Carl, I was I was thinking, you know, the stars are aligning with what all the regional critics groups are doing. Speaking of regional critics group, our St. Louis... uh, What? We did something? Yes. We gave out awards on Sunday and the big winner was Oppenheimer with seven, but Barbie got six, including Brian Gosling, who I hope is at least nominated for the Oscar and will do I'm Just Ken. As one of the musical numbers. Because that's going to just rocket it. And best scene. America America Ferrara's speech. On the impossible standards. Set for women. And I'm really proud of our group for doing that. Because we have one fourth women. So all you guys were uh, voting on this. And uh, so Barbie. It is
1: the best scene of the year.
0: It is. It is a great scene. Great scene. Second was the John Wick. Chapter four scene on the staircase. Mm, yeah. And that is a doozy. If you haven't seen, uh, you know, I'm mixed about the John Wicks. <laughs> I've seen them in pieces, but this one I actually sat and watched from start to finish. And I thought, am I going to be able to follow it since I can't remember three very much? And you it know, doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter. The first matter.
1: three take place within in two weeks. Yeah. The first three movies take place in two weeks but then once he starts traveling the world you can't say okay this isn't really the next day
0: yes and uh it's very fascinating and i was hooked from the day one and that chad stahelski who directed it is a remarkable you know he went from stunt coordinator to director and oh my god the stunt work in this and the, the visual effects and just the camera work and everything it's really a well polished movie so I don't want people poo pooing like oh John Wick because <laughs> you know anybody who has a soft spot for Keanu like I do you know yeah. he he knows Are how you that...
1: maternal about him as well
0: I'm not maternal I just I just like him and uh, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but uh so that was our second scene. But Oppenheimer did well. Barbie did well. It won
1: best picture. Oppenheimer yeah. did very well. It won best picture and best
0: actor. So and then the holdovers and best director. Several. And then the holdovers got several. So Peter, uh, what's your yeah. thoughts on the big Barbenheimer?
3: Uh liked them both. I I'm Oppenheimer, I thought was wonderful. I went with my son to watch it and, uh, he liked it. He went back and watched it again and again. Um, and so I, I, I think you did right by picking it. It's just amazing what they did, the camera work, the, you know, uh, the art de- uh, design in that. So yes, I like, I like them both. I think you guys did a great job on that. And I think that's the way it's going to go. Um, the season, I mean, I think the two of them are going to be great. I haven't seen the holdovers yet and I want to see it um, because I've been on campus when people have laughed because I was a 12-monther and uh, I'm a nine monther. And so I've been here when people are gone and, you know, a couple of students are, are around. So I, w- I do want to see that. Any other, uh, I haven't seen your list yet, but any other winners? Um the uh what
0: carl well john wick got um uh, and mission it's impossible power. got the tech awards yeah. for the stunts uh oppenheimer i just want to say, it is my favorite film of the year because it, it not only is it christopher nolan's Magnus o- M- magnum opus but the tech work like you said about the camera work quite van band- point to his camera work is groundbreaking and also he invented new film he invented like kodak black white for the imax but his his camera work is stunning the trinity test was high on our list of scenes and uh, Uh, the the ensemble acting oh my god well killian murphy well ensemble acting was holdovers yes but, but and it. we
1: forgot best actress and best supporting actress. Uh best supporting actress was Divine Joy Randolph for holdovers, but best actress the only, what? How many awards was this nominated for and Killers of the Flower Moon got Best Actress?
0: As uh, Lily Gladstone. That she's she's she yes. is
1: the best part of the film.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It was nominated in 12 categories and it only won Best Actress. But that's
1: because Oppenheimer. And yeah, but Barbie... that's the that's the that's the thing it deserved to win.
0: Right. Well, right. Oppenheimer won our adapted screenplay and Barbie won our original screenplay. Greta Gerwig and Noah Bombeck right. have written a fantastic uh, somebody was telling me they didn't want to watch a movie about a doll, and I go, Oh, you are so wrong about this this is as feminist as possible and i said if, if you know cuz she was like oh i hate playing with barbies blah, 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 blah. and and i was just like uh, you are wrong here you have to watch it if you 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 have to watch it and i did again cuz it's streaming on max now so i watched it for the third time you pick up so many lines again that are just you're, you're laughing oh my god you laugh out loud you laugh out so- loud
1: cinematography was Oppenheimer best editing was Oppenheimer uh production design was barbie costume was barbie music score was Oppenheimer music soundtrack was barbie visual effects was the creator which is which has the girl with a half head in the whole movie and uh you said best stunts was mission impossible best action movie was a tie between mission impossible and john wick Best comedy was The Holdovers. Horror was Talk to Me. Animated feature was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Documentary was a tie between still a Michael J. Fox movie and American Symphony. Best international feature was Anatomy of a Fall. And that's all 24 of them.
3: Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think we did really well. Um, American Symphony is currently on Netflix and I implore everyone to watch it because it's just a beautiful film. And John Batiste was finally on Colbert last night to talk about it. So that was isn't John
1: Batiste on Colbert every night? No, he has not anymore. No, he hasn't been. He's he's not there anymore, but he was
0: but yeah. he was, and that's where, I mean, they're great friends, uh, but it was finally, because he was supposed to be on four times, but then, you know, Colbert had COVID, then he had the kidney. Then his appendix burst. Yeah, uh, yeah, not that kidney burst, the appendix. So, anyway, I implore everybody to watch that, and then a film that is in theater, I don't think we talked about this, Carl, Zone of Interest. No, we I, did not. Another chilling. Another
1: Holocaust movie.
0: Chilling. Did you like it, it? Yes. It's in my top 10. It oh, is very... Ugh, so good. But so it's hard. It's moving. Yes. So a, hard. A movie it, you'll
1: never watch more than once.
0: It's the banality of the Nazis uh, regarding Jews. Uh, that, and it's about Rudolf Hoyce, who lives right next to Auschwitz, because he's the Nazi commander there. And the Nazis are so matter-of-fact about getting rid of the, quote jewish problem that it's so stunning at how average and ordinary they're going about their lives while they're persecuting another uh what's you know, it on I,
3: what's it's uh, currently
0: screen? in theaters it's currently oh. in theaters it's going to be a huge awards magnet and uh also anatomy and it's a foreign yeah, okay. it's it's German, but it's from the UK. Uh, the director, Jonathan Glazer, you might be familiar with his work he did Under the Skin. That, oh, yeah. Scar- that Scarlett Johansson movie. He has directed it with a, like ordinary monsters. Let's put it like that. Like these people are ordinary monsters. And that's why it's so cunning and deceptive and you know there's this unspeakable evil going on and then these people are just you know their kids are playing with in the backyard you know right next door it's just really um uh, difficult to watch another movie that that's getting uh, no buzz and no anticipation is george clooney's directorial the boys in the bay on the boat the boys on the boat
1: what was in the Band is a different movie altogether.
0: Yeah. Oh my wow. god. Oh, my, my brain today is just not hitting on the cylinders. Um, the Boys in the Boat, dull, no. manufactured. It's about the rowing team who during the Depression won an Olympic medal. And it's that boom, 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 boom. The same beats. It's like, haven't we seen this movie a zillion times before? Uh, Joel Edgerton. Yeah, Joel Edgerton's coach. The the boy that's the heartbeat of the movie has a difficult father. Yeah. It's like they're grasping wow. at things to make these people compelling. I don't know, Carl, did you watch it? I I, I have just, not seen it yet, no.
3: I've seen the trailer I, for it. In fact, it was this morning I saw the trailer. Um Yeah, it doesn't really draw me in. And I think George Clooney can be a good director. I think he's done some good things. But sometimes the material he picks, hmm, you know. So I know about the movie. Uh, It doesn't grab me me much. I know. I think people, you know, at
0: first, oh, Clooney. But it's not, you know, not going well. It's so delightful to have you on because I've been trying to think of oh we should have Peter on again so I'm glad you um you had time to to uh, talk movies with
3: us and thank you and I hope we're you sorry see you it. had
0: to drag your butt into work though
3: that that's okay that's all right I don't mind uh, well, I hope
0: you have all the joys of the season and Carl, you guys happy, too. happy holidays you, Peter. To Carl we're gonna take a break. Because I'm going to be out of town and Carl's going to be working like a maniac. You don't get any time off, do you, Carl? Nope. Working every single day except
1: Christmas and New Year's. But uh, but everyone, then, then is the work
3: of family. So <laughs> yeah, the la- last <laughs> yeah. time I was on, you were going to Florida with your daughter? I was in
1: Florida. It, I yeah. was in Florida, actually, with the person I was with last week who came up here. But yes, that was an ordeal that day.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Well, now life goes on. But I hope while well, you're out and about, Carl, you'll have a wonderful time. And, Peter, enjoy your time with your family. I will. I will. And, and may your days be merry. All right. You and bright. And your right. s- travel safe. Bye. See right. you at the movies. Yes. Everyone, well, have the merriest of uh, holidays and uh, joyous new year.